0: Fear is probably a major obstacle for you in your trauma recovery. In this episode, I discuss what fear is, I share a story about how a police officer experienced fear, and I give you three quick tips on how to reduce your fear. My name is Justin Sinceri. I'm a therapist and the creator of the Polyvagal Trauma Relief System, Welcome to Stuck Not Broken, where I teach you how to finally get relief from trauma using clear language and practical techniques. This podcast is not therapy, nor is it intended to be a replacement for therapy. So I did this presentation a while back for a group of police officers for our school district. We are one of those school districts that's big enough to where it has its own police force. It's not like security guards. No, it's not. It's not campus security monitors. It's like uh, actual police officers who are... who are. Um, Station, is that the right word? Not station. Assigned to this school district. And then during the nighttime, they function as you know regular on-call police officers and do all sorts of police officer stuff. So yeah, we we did this presentation, Mercedes and I. Now you might remember remember Mercedes as a the co-host of Stuck Not Broken way back when. So she and I worked together and we were doing these presentations on the political theory for teachers and uh, staff members, therapists, uh, nurses, and uh, the cops as well. So we were teaching about the defensive states in particular and how these defensive states, when we get stuck there or when we we're experiencing them in the moment maybe, we can be they can be felt as anxiety or as depression or as anger. One of the cops in the room, uh, he kind of balked at the idea of being in a defensive state and he's like, no, you're either made for this job or you're not. That has no place in what we do. And the other cops in the room kind of echoed that and seemed to agree. It seems like it was kind of common knowledge amongst each of them as like, either you're made for this or you're not. And a couple of people share the same sentiment. Now, Mercedes and I, we like the challenge. And so we kind of pushed back a little bit. And we said, you've never experienced panic when you're on the job you've never been scared seriously you're not ever you know worried about your safety do you ever feel worry and one of them in particular said no he's actually a pretty pretty big guy uh he was I, I think like a higher up i'm gonna guess like a sergeant i'm not quite sure of the titles but yeah big big guy you could tell he's been there for a while and he said i can honestly say that i don't get scared he said when i'm activated for a call i'm focused and i'm ready I can't stop to have any feelings because that might cost me my life. And that makes complete sense. Rationally, that makes complete sense. Now, fellow stuck knot, you and I might know that when we're sympathetically activated, as long as we can use the flight-fight energy, then then fear doesn't really settle in. As long as you can use the flight-fight energy, yeah, there probably is more focus. There probably is more quick decision-making. And maybe it's, you know, good decision making and very good focus that keeps you alive and protects people. Lovely. Okay, awesome. That's ideally right. So that didn't disturb me that he, he said that at all. I, th- I was probably more disturbed by saying he was quote unquote activated for a call, but that's probably a, a discussion for another, t- <laughs> another time. Because I don't know, it felt like it was like a robot or something. Like I, I've been activated. So he said, I I never experienced fear. I never experienced panic. But he said, well, there is actually there's only this one time where I do. And, And he shared with me that time that he, with Mercedes and I, when he did feel fear. He said, the only time I feel fear is when I'm activated for a call. And then I'm sitting in my police car waiting for the parking lot gate to open. And he said, when I'm in my car, that's what I start to think about. When I'm, when I'm in my car, behind the gate, waiting for it to open, that's when I'm thinking about what could go wrong. That's when I'm thinking about how I, I might not make it through the situation. Yeah, so you, you heard that right. Sitting in his car, waiting for the gate to open. Why would, that, why would that trigger fear in someone who otherwise says he does not experience fear, or at least on the job doesn't experience fear? Why would he experience fear when he's sitting in his car behind a gate that's slowly opening? He's perfectly safe in that moment, right? Why would he experience fear? Well, it's because he's immobilized while in flight fight. What he's expressing is how there's adrenaline in his system. The flight fight energy, the defensive energy is activated. It it is coursing through his veins, right? And his muscles. So he's ready to runner fight basically, is biologically I mean. But he couldn't advance to where he needed to go. He was primed for duty. He's ready to roll, right? But he's stuck behind a slow moving gate. He only felt fear once he was immobilized while in flight fight. Once he was immobilized while he had mobilization in his system, once he could not advance for you know for his directive. And so on top of that, after he's immobilized while while in flight fight, we know that whatever polyvagal state we're in, that our story follows our state. That the thoughts in our brain follow the state that we are in. If you're in a safety state, you're going to have thoughts that are more positive and uh, connecting and, or connective and empathetic and hopeful. If you're in a fight state, you're going to have Thoughts that are more about like blame and uh, anger and, I don't know, avoiding responsibility maybe or, or putting it on to somebody else. So for this officer who's, who's in a flight fight state, he is also immobilized while in flight fight. So the thoughts in his mind are, are more of a fearful, a fearful uh, freeze, kind of freeze. Because he's thinking about how he's not going to make it through. He's thinking about how he may not get home to his family. He's thinking about how he, he won't be able to help who you know, whatever the situation is, and that the worst thing's gonna happen. He's thinking about what's gonna go wrong. So all that flight fight energy in a system that he's unable to use flavors his thoughts. And now his thoughts become more anxious and panicky, fearful. So what does this story have to do with you and your unstucking process? Let's say you're doing, the, quote, unquote, the work, the the trauma work, right? The stuff that, I don't know, that you're doing. What does this have to do with you? Well, you may have some fear in your system. And that fear got there or gets there from having flight, fight energy, but being immobilized. So what you may notice, and actually this comes up, people tell me this comes up with, um, with, uh, with some yoga poses they do, that they are have some you know mobility in their system, but they're immobilized. So for you in your unsucking practice, if you're doing like a meditation or maybe in, you know, even in therapy, when you're talking about whatever it is, you may have some flight-fight energy come up in your system, but you may also have some immobility in your system. Maybe that's because you feel like you're in therapy and it's not okay to like move. Or maybe you're in a certain pose in yoga or maybe, you know, fear comes up for you in your own meditation practice and you're just sort of frozen there in the moment. You have mobility in your system, but you also have immobility. So that's fear. So when you set out to do your stuck knotting work, when you set out to do your unstucking work, I call it stuck knotting. When you set out to do that, there's three things that I want to give to you to help reduce the intensity of that fear. Now, one of these is more of a longer term. The other two are are short term, immediate things you can do. The first one is the longer term one, and that's developing the strength of your safety state. I know you've heard me say this a lot. (laughs) Your vagal break must be strengthened before delving into your Stuck defensive state. It is absolutely imperative and from what I can tell, I don't look too deeply, but from what I can tell in other modalities, uh, thought processing around psychology and whatnot, we or therapists, not me, I don't do that anymore, but therapists in general completely overlook this aspect and they just sort of expect or maybe even pressure people to talk about their trauma narrative, the stuff they've been through. Uh, which ends up just being re-traumatizing so your your vagal brake strength your safety state must be developed in my opinion before attempting to go into what you know that your stuck defensive state that's why in my courses i have building safety anchors completely as its own phase. It's the middle phase of my larger polyvagal trauma relief system. So building safety anchors is distinct from unstucking defensive states, which is the third, third phase. So before, just like in my model, like in my system, before you go into that stuck defensive energy, you have to have the vagal brake break developed because when you go into the stuck defensive state, there's a really good chance that freeze or, uh, fear will come along with whatever's inside of you. As you develop, the, again, longer term, as you develop the strength of your bagel break, then that immobility of freeze, the immobility of fear will thaw and enable you to uh, feel and act on your mobility, your flight by energy. Or at least to feel it and allow some shifts to happen within you. Number two, which is shorter term, is to use your safety anchors. These are the things that ground you in your safety state. So before you delve into the more dysregulated, stuck defensive state, before you do that, your vagal brake should be developed. But in order to do that, you need to know what helps you to feel safe, what grounds you in your safety state. The more you practice that, then your regular break gets developed or that's part of what develops it. And when it when it comes to these safety anchors, I want you to really look at it in two different ways. And this is uh, Dr. Porges talks about this in his second book, I believe, which is passive safety anchors and active safety anchors. Passive ones are things that are, you know, environmentally that just bring you a passive cue of safety, things you don't have to actually do or consciously notice, although I think mindfully noticing them brings it to an active level and is more helpful. But there might be things around you right now that are a cue of safety. In my office, if you're on YouTube, you can see I have like some of my favorite stuff behind me. I have uh, some Legos, Lego, not Legos, Lego that I built with my son. It's Venom. He's a comic book uh, antihero. And my son and I made that from uh, some Lego build. My daughter and I are working on a Seinfeld one right now. I have a 49ers helmet from my childhood. That All these things. I have Optimus Prime, all these nerdy things, plus my polyvagal books, my design, a couple of design books in there, some fake plants, some markers behind me. These are all passive things that when they're there, when I when I just see them, I, there's a cue of safety for me. There's things in there that have meaning for me that are safe. I have a dim light behind me. I have uh, a Lego bonsai tree. These are things that just provide me a passive cue of safety. That's different than me doing something like uh, some active fidgeting or smelling something that I find grounding, like an orange or a lemon or a lime, or tasting something that I find grounding, or looking at something that that I find grounding, or like maybe reducing the lighting in my room. All these things would. Oh, that would be more passive actually. So there's passive cues and active cues, and you'll have to kind of differentiate, you know, what's what for you and to use those things before trying to do some stuck nodding and looking more directly at your stuck defensive state. And the third thing to help reduce fear in your uh, unstucking work. So besides the active safety cues, besides the passive safety cues, I want you to give yourself some top-down safety anchors beforehand. Again, this is all before, before you start delving into your dysregulation, before you start that meditation, before you start that therapeutic practice, whatever it is. So give yourself some top-down cognitions to further anchor yourself in safety. And I recommend that you do the top-down cognitions plus be in uh, in an environment of safety, of passive safety, plus do something that is more active actively uh activating or actively grounding yourself in safety so these would be like top down things it could be thoughts it could be memories you know things that you're sending from the top down from your brain to your body basically it could be like i said a memory it could be your imagination Uh, it could be a thought that you're giving yourself like i deserve to live a life with more safety or i can handle this Um, i've i've prepared for this I believe in myself and I can handle, you know, what whatever is inside of me. And now you have to be honest with yourself about that, by the way. And if you can't, that's okay. Come back to it when you're ready. Or you could say, you know, look, I, I may, this is gonna be challenging. I, I want to know what's in there. I'm curious to know what the heck's happening inside of me. Um so I I believe I, I believe in myself. I'm at least curious, and if I need to stop, it's okay to stop. If I need to stop, I know how to stop. And I'm allowed to pause this and come back to it when I'm ready. All this stuff is covered, by the way, in my polyvagal Trauma release system. All this stuff is covered in depth. I hope those three tips are helpful for at least crafting, you know, your mindset around this unstucking stuff in your own meditation practice. Maybe if you're not doing these things already, bring it to whatever you're doing, especially that passive and active safety anchoring. I think those are really, really, really helpful. Now, usually I would end the episode by offering you a freebie uh, for my email li- or an ex- exchange for being on my email list, but I'm going to hold off on that. I want to actually ask you, what is it you want to know? I want to know what questions you have, but specifically, I want to hear your voice. I, w- I would love to get audio clips of you, of my listeners, my audience here, my fellow stuck knots. I would love to get audio clips hearing your voice uh, with whatever question that you have, you don't have to say your name. You don't, I don't want any personal details. And the more general and specific, like the more general you can make it in a like one or two sentence clip, that's it. That's all you got to do. I would love to hear your voice. I would love to feature your voice here on the podcast. Otherwise, I'll have to keep using those AI voices. <laughs> I haven't done that for a couple episodes. I might, I might come back pretty quick. I would love to have your voice here on the podcast. And, and, uh, and I really want to answer whatever questions you may have. And the best way to send me a clip of your voice is just to use your phone. I don't, you don't have, to have like a fancy microphone. It doesn't have to sound perfect. I don't care if it's background noises. That's I, it's fine. Just use your phone to record your voice and email it to me at justinlmft at gmail.com. Again, that's justinlmft at gmail.com. I, I really hope to hear from you. Literally. That's it for this episode. I do hope this has been helpful for you, a a helpful resource in your process of learning and applying the polyvagal theory to your trauma recovery. Bye. This podcast is not therapy, not intended to be therapy or be a replacement for therapy. Nothing in this creates or indicates a therapeutic relationship. Please consult with your therapist or seek for one in your area if you are experiencing mental health symptoms. Nothing in this podcast should be construed to be specific life advice. It is for educational and entertainment purposes only. More resources are available in the description of this episode and in the footer of justinlmft.com.